Hello, everybody. Dr. Rick Wallace dropping in on you. I hope everybody is having an unbelievable week uh, to this point. We're winding down. I hope uh, that you've gotten some things accomplished that you desire to accomplish. Um, if not, uh, continue to focus, continue to fight, continue to push. If you're still breathing, you're still in the fight. Look, uh, I know there's some things I promised I was going to get back and talk on. We still have a part two uh, to a video we did, a live stream we did last week. Uh, part two to, um, I think it was uh, the video. Yeah, the video we did on Roland Martin and uh, the way we're viewing and dealing with dealing with um Alt black media, new black media, unapologetic uh, black media, however you want to refer to it. But uh, this new surge of truth tellers uh, on many different platforms and forums, whether it's finance, economics, whether it's community, whether it's academics and education, uh, there's a, 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 a surgence of people who are willing to get out and be in the forefront and tell truth. And there's a lot of accountability that still has to be held there. And I promised that we were going to get back and finish that because we were really, uh, really there. But I had a client that I had to get to. And I'm actually coming to you. I've got a client in about 50 minutes, but I had to try to get this done. I want to talk to you. This is something near and dear to my heart. And so I'm going to do what I can to get it off my chest and leave it with you with the hopes that it touches you, that it inspires you, uh, it encourage, encourages you and so forth. But the truth of the matter is, and I've been saying this for some times, for some time now, we have failed our youth. We have failed to prepare them. When I wrote Miseducation of Black Youth in America, I'm now finishing up the follow-up book to that. The, the Miseducation of Black Youth in America, I think was book number 16. Uh, book number 25, it was gonna be book number 24, but I'm, I'm looking to release something else that I have on deck. All I do is read, study, and write. So I've got so much stuff that I'm putting together. I'm determining how I'm gonna release it, what I'm gonna do. but um, when I wrote The Miseducation of Black Youth in America, uh, I defined for you what I believed uh, was true education. To me, education is so much more than um, the academic attainment uh, or the attainment of academic skills. Uh, true education is the preparation and empowerment of youth to grow up and go out in a world and um uh, that is inherently hostile towards them and not only compete, but win. You, there's a lot that goes into educating our youth. Yes, we need to give them knowledge of themselves. Yes, we need to uh, uh, expose them to skill sets that allow them to go out and be. Yes, we need to make sure that they are 
where they need to be as far as their self-image, their self-esteem, their self-concept, their self-confidence. Absolutely. But another thing we have to do is we have to really, truly look at what we're doing as parents when it comes to setting their mind state, uh, their state of mind on how to approach life. We have birthed and reared an entire generation of entitled and spoiled brats that are not in any way ready to go out into the world. They have had everything handed to them. And so many of us in an attempt to reverse the abusive behavior we experienced as children being beat and hit for everything, we removed corporal punishment, which I'm not against, but we did not reinforce discipline in any other way that made these kids accountable for what they do. I grew up in a generation where you said, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. These kids commonly and constantly, yeah, what? Something that would have gotten me straight up knocked out. And I'm not saying you should be knocking out kids. That's not where I'm at. I'm not talking about hitting kids. There are ways to hold someone accountable. You don't reward failure. You don't reward disrespect. You don't reward when a child isn't performing at a level that you know they're capable of performing. You don't give them something just because. You have to make them earn it. One thing I can say, you know, I have my issues with my kids. You know, sometimes they love me, sometimes they hate me. But my whole thing is, and I tell people, my job isn't to be my children's friend. My job, I, um, there's a whole lot, uh, Jervy, I'll I'll get off into that hopefully uh, uh, later in the video about uh, government funding, but I have major issues with that just because of how some things, I've seen some things go. Uh, there are programs, but it's always something to where they, they control a certain level. And my thing is the way I do things works. Um, and I'll get off into all that. Uh, but here's the thing. What I'm talking about now isn't even on the community. Level. I'm talking about how we're rearing the kids in the home. I'm talking about individual parenting. I'm talking about. And so when you have individual parenting, you also have a better uh, environment when it comes to com- community engagement. See, I grew up at a time where there were different parents. I grew up in a time my parents were the strictest parents in our whole neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood where we were probably the most what, 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 what my grandparents called back then well-to-do people in the neighborhood. Most people were impoverished. There were a couple of people doing okay. Wow. We were doing okay. I mean, uh, all things considered. Uh, considerably better than most of the people in the neighborhood. But my parents were the most strict. And um, I look at the parents now that were strict in that neighborhood. And those are the kids who pretty much fared pretty well, did well. Uh, I look at the kids who pretty much were allowed to do whatever they want to do. And those are the kids who are either dead in jail or still struggling with poverty. Some still living in that same community. So there's some, 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 uh, validity to the importance of structure in the home, the importance of discipline, the importance of having guidelines, the importance of having a standard. And so the thing is, when I look at where we're at now, I, I'm amazed. But when I grew up, even then, my par- my grandparents were, like I said, the, the strictest parents. 
in the neighborhood. But this is how the community was then compared to how the community is now. The community then is I could be around the corner, down the street. Yeah, around the corner, down the street. That's that's what I said. I'll be down the corner. I mean, that around the corner, down the street, playing at a friend's house whose parents allowed them to do a lot of things my parents didn't. And if I got out there and started doing what they were doing, their parent, their mother, father will come and say, hey, you know, Miss Wallace don't want you doing that. Boy, if you don't cut that out and get out of here, you want me to go tell. And it, it, that's the kind of community we had. We had a community where parents could talk to other people's kids without worrying about somebody riding by shooting somebody right about the whole disconnect. But the problem we have now is we have an entire generation of lethargy, an entire generation of mediocrity, just wanting to get by. Here's the problem. When you have that just getting by mentality, it doesn't bode well in the world for success, for the pursuit of power, for the pursuit of elevation. It doesn't bode well. So they'll let you get away with a 70 in school, but 70 percent in life will not produce anything close to greatness. You may get away in the house with saying, I don't want it and I don't feel like it when you're at home. That doesn't work on a job. That does not work in a business, especially if you're talking about being a business owner. You got to get up and do it when you don't feel like it. There's got to be some drive. There's got to be some focus. There's got to be some self-discipline. We haven't held these kids accountable. I can talk all about the work I've done in developing uh, pro-social programs like Black Men Lead and what my wife has done with Restoring Ghettos, Forgotten Daughters. And uh, I shared a video of what she talks about the work she did. You read a book. You know what she does. You know what she's about. We're putting in the work in the community. But when we get kids and these kids have an idea that all I've got to sit up there and do. Why? Because at nine, I had an iPhone. Because only kind of sneakers I wear are Jordans because if I want to go do this my mama will pay for it or my dad will pay for it we're so busy trying to make up for the childhood we didn't have that we are handicapping our children we are going to have to do better we're going to have to come up as a collective and come together and realize that we may have literally thrown a generation away. Because once they become adults, you can't tell them anything. Hell, they can be an adult living in your house and you can't tell them anything. All of the things we would not have been able to get away with when we were growing up, they've gotten away with, and it hasn't made them stronger. It hasn't made them better. That was a way to move away from abusive behavior without sitting up and literally creating an entire generation of children who only want to sit up and be taken care of with attitudes. That, that To top it off, it's not like they're saying, okay, dad, you know, uh, I don't really want to do that. I want you to do it for me. I, I'll go in here and I'll make sure my room is clean. I'll make sure that the kitchen is done. I'll go out, cut the yard. I'll go out, trim the, trim the hood hedges. I'll go out, take the trash. I'll do that. Do you want your car washed? But I really want to go this and I want these sneakers. I want this phone. It's like 
I'm going to sit up here. I'm not doing anything. I don't want to hear it. If you tell me to do something, I'm going to get an attitude with you. And I might even say something flip in the process. All things that are not going to work well when it comes down to living life and being. So let me tell you something. As a business owner, it's been a business owner for years, multiple businesses. I have done some things I'm very proud of in the business world. Here's what I can tell you. Last year in March, most of you who follow me know this. I had five heart attacks over the course of seven days. Five heart attacks. I was in the hospital. When they released me, and I'm not saying this is what I should have done, but this is how I understand how life works. When they released me the very next day with my wife breathing down my neck, on my behind because I shouldn't have been, I'm in the office. Not doing a whole lot, but not allowing myself to get used to not being there. Looking at what's ahead and at least mentally preparing myself to be in a space that I needed to be in to deal with what was getting behind what I was getting behind in because I did not work while I was in the hospital. Then that was a time several years before that when I ended up in the, in, in the hospital. And I mean, this time I had a seizure, a hypertensive induced seizure so bad that it dislocated both shoulders. I bit through my tongue. That's still never healed completely. I can still feel, barely feel sensation on that side. The nerves are messed up. But, and it shows up in my speech sometimes. Um, you may pick it up all the time. I don't know. I don't pay attention to it that much, uh, but I know it's there. But check it out. I can't even dress myself. I'm in pain. Beyond. If you've never had your shoulders dislocated, you cannot understand what I'm talking about. I had both dislocated. Just laying down and getting up was a task. I had also fell when I had the seizure because they said uh, it happened in a Starbucks. I literally stood up, put my hands in the air, froze and then had a seizure and fell. When I fell, I fell against one of those props and broke the top of uh, my humerus right here. Literally broke it, broke a piece off. Okay. So I had all that happening. I had nerve damage in the hand with, with all this on this side. So uh, one finger, I couldn't move for a while. That was scary. And so typing was a task. But I sit down and I force myself to do it when I finally got back. And why? Because nobody is going to be feel sorry for me. Nobody's going to give me a break because I had a hard time. I'm telling you, I know because I've been through some difficult moments and had to recover from them. Nobody's going to care. And we're not preparing our children to go out into a world that's already hostile towards them. In fact, they're satisfied with mediocrity. They're satisfied with going out into a world in a minimum wage job or making eight to ten dollars an hour and thinking they're going to make it. You know why they think they can make it with eight and ten dollars an hour? Because we are underwriting and subsidizing what they don't or what they're not able to afford. They don't have a clue of what true reality is in this world and what it's going to take. 
They don't have the drive to get up every day. If you talk to 90% of these children, if you talk to 90% of them and you ask them, what do they want to be? What are their plans for the future? They don't have any. Why? Because they've never been put in a situation where they're going to have to stand up and actually go out and do something. They skated along in school. The ones that do decide to go a large portion uh, to college, a large portion of them are failing out. Why? Because they never created good study habits while they were in high school. So they got to college with poor study habits. Then they became distracted by all the other things that are going on in the college life. And partied and failed their way out of college. They come back home, still no sense of purpose, no sense of direction. And at the core of it all is the fact that we allowed it. We should have been instilling in them from an early age, three, four, five years old, a sense of responsibility, a sense of awareness of self and, and destiny, a sense of purpose and direction, uh, an idea and understanding that this world will take everything you have and leave you bare and think nothing of it. If you don't sit up and have an idea of who you are, where you're going, what you're doing, we have failed our children. I deal with a number of children. Parents bring their children to me. I've got mothers who literally have come and paid me to work with their sons. And I get a lot of that with the sons, but I guess because they see I do black men lead and a number of other things. But, you know, I probably have more female clients, but I have a lot of females that bring their sons. And these guys are normally 24, 25, 28. I've had them all the way up to 35 that a mother paid for their session. And no sense of direction. Every last one of them still living at home. And don't get me wrong. I'm not one that says you take your kid when they turn 18 and you push them out uh, because you're pushing them out to a situation that they're not financially prepared for. But if they're staying in the house, that should be some community. If they're staying in the house, they should have a plan of where they're going, what they're doing, what they're going to do with that time that you're underwriting and subsidizing their life. As an adult, you, you, you're not here to go party all the time. You're not living here rent free to go party. And no, I don't believe charging kids rent. They might as well be out there paying rent on their own where they can live as an adult. I believe that you sit up and say, OK, you got to have a plan. You got to have a purpose. You got to show me what you're going to do with your life. You got to give me a timetable. But they don't. They don't have any of that. 90% of them, you talk to them, they're just out there. Then uh, a, a, another uh, significant portion of them have been fooled by social media into believing that they can become rich by being social media influencers. And don't get me wrong, you can get paid using social media. I do it. But I do it using a skill and a knowledge set it took me years to build. And it doesn't make me rich. I've got channels and pages, you know, across social media for the different businesses I do. 
that's not what I mean. That gives me exposure so people know what I do and people sign up for what I have to offer. It provides an outlet for me to present what I do as an as a professional. But I, I mean, with the knowledge I have and what I share and what people take away from me, I get emails all the time. People tell me I, I watch so and so video and then I did that. That blessed me. So I'm, I did that. But as much as I'm blessing people with that and I'm kicking them real knowledge on how to change their lives, it doesn't make me rich. There's so much more that goes in this uh, marketing, branding, uh, how you come across the people. And what I can tell you, it's the people who do the least but have, I mean, gamers are the number one earners on YouTube. All the people that's breaking off knowledge and teaching, it is gamers that are earning. Uh, now, I, I, I've seen a little six-year-old. He's probably not. When I first, first came across him, he was probably six years old. He's probably about 12 now. Uh, but at the time, he was making $11 million a year reviewing toys on YouTube because he had a following. He was reviewing toys and little, you know, parents let their little kids watch it or they pick it up and they watch it. They thought it was cute. And, oh, yeah, and prank channels where people go around doing stupid stuff, stuff that really has no substance. It goes to show where we are socially. Where we are as a society is that we want to be entertained, not in a pop, not empowered. That's the narrative. And it's not just in the black community. But see, I don't I don't have the the luxury of being concerned with what everyone else is doing when my people are struggling and suffering at such a great level. I have to be focused at taking care of home first. So I'm talking about what's happening with us. We don't have the room or, 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 the, or the latitude to sit up and be lost in entertainment, to be lost in, in, in gaming to be lost. We need to be building. We need to be looking for the, the, the way up. We need to be strategizing. We should be building think tanks. We should be preparing our youth to use their, uh, to use their imagination to come up with solutions for the enigmatic issues that we face as a collective. We need to empower. You, you got them. They don't even want to talk about the, 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 the state of black America when you go to the youth. And I, obviously I'm not talking about everybody, but I'm talking about a large portion. We have failed. We have gotten lost somewhere and maybe what we were going through or maybe what we went through or maybe uh, just, you know, not one. Uh, we are not meant as parents to be the friends of our children. We are not meant as parents to be liked. We're meant to be respected, revered, understood, and we are meant to be the guiders and developers of, the, of, of our progeny. You know, there will be some who will appreciate us because we pushed them and held them to the fire. There will be others that will hate us for it. That's not on us. We cannot parent based on how our children feel about being parented. Being a leader means sometimes you're going to make 
choices and decisions and moves that the masses are not proud of, that are not happy happy with, that they don't approve of, that they don't stand with. Your only, only responsibility is to ensure when you make those moves, you're doing it with the best interest of those involved at my, in mind. We have some real true issues we need to deal with. And with that being said, I'm just dropping this on you. Thanks for showing love. Thanks for staying there. I really want you to truly, truly, truly think about this. We need to come up with solutions. I'm work solutions. I'm working on it. Uh, but we can't continue to let this happen. You know, if nothing else, we've got to start touching the lives of the grandchildren. And then we need to work our way back to these kids and sit up and show them because they're going to bump their head so hard that hopefully it will shake them loose and make them aware and make make them want to learn something that will allow them to actually be a part of empowering our people and themselves. On that note, I'm going to get ready to get out here. Don't forget to show some love and support the work we do at the Odyssey Project. There's always going to be information in the description box of every video of how you can do that. Uh, I'm out of here. You guys have an unbelievable day.